0: Welcome everyone to episode two of Raw Sport. My name is Ahmed el Hooley, and my co-host who joins me every single week with a huge smile is Mr. Tony Sheehan. Tony, welcome to the show, buddy.
1: How are you? Oh, I'm very well, Ahmed. It's great to be back on Raw Sports and really looking forward to getting stuck in today.
0: Wow. Lots to talk about, Tones, Lots to talk about. A lot happening. Um, our favorite conversation, the AFL. <laughs>
1: Everybody's favourite conversation. Hey? Everybody's favourite conversation.
0: Especially in in this country. The AFL, another idea, another concept. Whether you're going to like it or not, it's a different story. I'm always open to, to new ideas. The AFL is pretty much looking at introducing an AFL wild card round. incoming CEO has pretty much said, Hang on a second, folks. We've been doing this for a hundred years. Let's let's do it differently. They want to use the pre-finals by. Right. And yeah. have like a wild card round where seventh and tenth play each other and eighth and ninth play each other. Then that'll force those two teams to pretty much then make up the rest of the eight. So then you've got the top six, and then you've got two spots left, and the, and then they're pretty much playing golf for those two spots. So I think that's very exciting. I think that's very entertaining. And on a week where there's no other sport on or there's no other AFL on, why not? Why not put something on for the fans that's different?
1: Look, I actually, I know you and I have opposing views on a lot of subjects, but I think it actually could work. And I think incoming AFL CEO, Andrew Dillon, has obviously thought long and hard about this. He's been at the league for at least a decade, and this provides something new, a little bit of excitement, because I think the pre-finals week off it really loses momentum, and I think they've the AFL has hopefully learned through the um, the, is it the buy rounds throughout the middle yeah. of the season, which we touched upon last week, yeah. Yeah. would probably considered a failure. You lose momentum, the media doesn't like it, the fans don't like it. I think if you can actually hold two games for the final two spots in the eight, I think then that draws a lot of other fans to go to the game. So if they're held in Melbourne, which they should be, the MCG, it could actually drive, you know, crowds of seventy-five to 80,000 and a lot of theatre-goers.
0: Yeah, I reckon this is a bit sneaky by Andrew Dillon. I mean, where's this idea I been all know. this time?
1: Well, but they've only been having pre-finals buys for what three to four years. Yeah,
0: but like he's obviously thought about it for a long time and thought, oh yeah, one day when I will get the top job, I'll introduce it. That's that's my mark left on the game. Um, obviously I'm assuming here, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I really liked it, the idea. I think it brings a lot of excitement. I think it will a hundred percent. Um get clubs a lot more interested because now you can you can pretty much play finals if
1: you're
0: even if you finish 10th yeah what what do you
1: think richmond introduced it
0: (laughs) (laughs) um the way they're going they're going to probably need it but yeah i mean (laughs) or or, or carlton all the gws giants I mean, Carlton for sure needs it because they can't get – like even based off their last six games, they, they, they're still going to struggle to get there. But anyway, that's not the, that's, that's, that's not the conversation. What I'm saying is that it's a brilliant, brilliant idea. I really like it. I think it brings anticipation. It brings excitement. It brings entertainment. And I think it's another reason for fans to flock the MCG.
1: Yeah, look, you know what? I'm not going to argue this for the sake of arguing. I actually agree with you, Ahmed, and I think it is a good idea.
0: Wow! I better be careful. There must be fridges falling from the sky. Because I tell you, <laughs> this is, it's not very common that, that this happens. All right. Great start. Moving on. We have new kings. Well, we have a new king and a queen of the court in Wimbledon. I think this is the start of a, of a new era. I think this is the introduction to uh, the era of Carlos Alcaraz, who is who Novak Djokovic pretty much said, came out and said, I've never seen anybody play like that before. And this is a guy who's broken the record for um, Grand Slam titles. He's played the best of the best. For him to come and say that is pretty big in my opinion. Marketa Von von Drusova, congratulations to her. Great win, great victory.
1: Um, What are your thoughts on on those comments, mate? In regards to Novak Djokovic, uh, to me, he is the best player of all time. And, you know, I know Roger Federer is loved by the fans and he has an enormous amount of cachet with the um, with the public, but no one can go past Novak Djokovic. I know the, his on-court persona has maybe turned a few people off and and certainly through his anti-COVID stance that, that also probably drove a wedge between him and the fans or at least some fans but to me this guy i don't think there's ever going to be um anybody who will supersede him as the best player of all time and in regards to his comments about um carlos the 25 year old spaniard well you know i would have loved as a tennis-loving person that Novak could have gone out with another Wimbledon win, but this guy has been, you know, at the top of his craft. I think he's been number one since prior to the Australian Open earlier this year. He's just a gun, and I think he's the new face of tennis. I'd I'd seriously like to know whether a 25-year-old Spaniard who speaks broken English is going to be the face of tennis moving forward.
0: Yeah, why not? I mean, his English can only get stronger, um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much an easy fix. I mean, Rafael Nadal isn't isn't the greatest
1: English speaker, but but he's a fan he, favorite.
0: Yeah, because of his performance on the call.
1: Yeah, and but also I think, I think he's quite uh, self deprecating when he's interviewed post game and in in press conferences. You know, the girls love him, the guys want to be. Him, so, I think. Uh, I'd like to see how Carlos merges or morphs into the world number one and it looks like he's going to be in this position for quite some time to come. Good luck to him. He, he played a fantastic game. Although, you know, I watched the first two sets um, Sunday night here in Sydney and I thought with Novak's scintillating display in the first set, you know, 6-1, and Carlos looked like he was gone for a month, and suddenly... It's gone to five sets, and um, and he's beaten the best of all time. Good on him. But, again, I'd like to see how tennis goes from here on in.
0: We, we shall wait and see. All right, moving on. Women's World Cup is down under. Our part of the world. Good start in Australia. They've sold um, one and a half million plus tickets. Their game last week had over 50,000 people at it. New zealand not so much i mean they they've got three hundred thousand tickets that they haven't sold and, and and they've struggled they're really struggling in new zealand yep um big conversation this week just like every single time there's a female major event is equal pay they want to be paid like the men but from what we're seeing they don't they don't generate the same amount of revenue you had the you had fifa really struggling to sell off their rights in europe and they even threatened the blackout if they didn't get the value that they wanted and they still fell 100 million short so what do we do like where are we with female sports i mean we want everybody to have a chance to play and perform and and give it their best but we also have to run businesses here There, so the biggest problem with society in today's world is, everybody's looking for the bloody handout, right? Not many people want to actually work for it. And it's translating into these leagues and sports and codes and it's just getting ridiculous.
1: Your thoughts? Uh, well, well, are we specifying the fact that uh, Australians, Australian female soccer players, led by Sam Kerr, have come out demanding equal pay to the men? If you want. Well, if that's that's what you're alluding to, Sam Kerr is the best player in the world. She's the face of um, the computer game. I think it's FIFA FBK. Best female player in the world, yeah. Yes, Uh, without a doubt. And, And the beauty of it is she's a West Australian. She's sensational. But women have been playing professional sport for such a short amount of time, I'm not sure that all sports are ready to have equilibrium in the pay structure. Tennis, yes, but the women play three-quarters of the length of games that men do. So whereas the women's final Saturday night in London, which was won by Von Drusseva, she played two sets, six four six four, whereas Novak Djokovic and um, Alcarez played five. Yeah. So, and it's, it's equal prize money. So I, I, I think that sports such as soccer, AFL, NRL, I think they need to build up a cachet of ratings of fans and then maybe in five to ten years' time, then they can pitch for equilibrium.
0: So the biggest issue here is that what needs to be understood is that male players are not just paid because they're they're men, right? They're not paid more just because they're, they're literally men. No, this is not the problem here. They paid more because they attract a lot of attention. The FIFA World Cup, you couldn't get a ticket months out, right? Let's just, let's just be clear. And the whole world was watching. Half of Australia is not even watching here,
1: right? No, no.
0: no. So, so, so at the end of the day, we have to start working with, with what we have in front of us and, yes, give them more um help them with resources but it's a process it doesn't happen overnight it takes time so we can't just go spend all this bloody money on the league that's losing money year after year after year and you know it's just a leaking bucket you got to get there gradually step by step yeah incremental and that helps trip. yeah In- incremental improvements incremental steps that also works in strengthening and solidifying the actual league, right? Yep. Otherwise, if you have a huge cash cash injection, right, and there's no way to sustain those revenues, because nobody's going to keep throwing money at something that's that's constantly leaking from from the bottom.
1: Nobody no, but keeps filling a bucket, hey. No, the, well, women's sport now is different, so it will be that the, the governments and the organisations around the globe. We'll throw as much money as needed to make women's sports sustainable because it's been an agenda-driven situation for
0: Tony, look at the world we live in. The Victorian government just cancelled the Commonwealth Games, for God's sake. We are going through a financial, a global financial disaster. There's only so much before people are going to turn around and say, hang on a second. You're putting all this money on, on female sports. We don't have we don't have money to turn on our hitters.
1: No, no, the, the, no, the fans don't, but the rich will get richer through this crisis.
0: It's got nothing think, to do with that at this point. What I'm trying to say to you is only so much that you can put in to something that's leaking. There's nothing wrong with allocating resources to female women's sports. There's nothing wrong with it. What we're trying to say is it's got to be done over a period of time, step by step. You can't. Rome wasn't built in one day, right? It takes time. So these uh, men have uh, been playing for 100 years. Play for 100 years and get and, and, and get as much as the men, right? So more of the story, it's step by step, step by step. We get stronger every single year. We increase our revenue channels. We increase our TV rights. We diversify our our, our revenue channels and we build the game. You don't build a game by throwing tons of cash at something, and you know the next year you're going to have to do the same thing. When the world's going through a huge crisis, people can't pay their bills, people can't turn on their heaters. What the hell? It doesn't make sense.
1: So anyway. no. But um, look, yeah. by extension of what you're saying, female athletes are not paid what they should be. So they should be semi-professional if not professional. They should Every woman on a professional sports list should be paid enough so that they don't have to take another job. Correct. But they shouldn't in all sports, not every sport, should have the same amount of pay as the men. They haven't earned it as yet. I'm not saying that they won't, but as you said, it needs to be incremental so that Sam Kerr's in five years' time could be earning something equivalent of what like the men in the EPL.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, if they garner the same attention,
1: that's what it comes down to. No, well, maybe they won't. But, but I mean, look at the AFL. Look at the NRL. I mean, sometimes the games are so hard to watch. They actually – it's been a, um, a game in the AFL where I think one team scored one point for an entire game. And they're giving away free tickets. So, anyway. Um, all right, moving on.
0: We've just witnessed and observed the NRL state of origin – Three games, won by Queensland again. New South, seven, Wales, seven, yes. yep, New South Wales has won the last game. In terms of the TV ratings, the first two did well. The last one dropped off, un- understandably, because of, you know, it's done and it was dusted. A, it was a dead rubber. Yeah, exactly. So what what
1: what, what were your thoughts on the series overall? Uh, look, Queensland is just very well coached by Billy Slater. They are just a supreme outfit, and I really feel for uh, Freddie Fittler and the Blues, maybe um, is it time to reconsider State of Origin? I know that as hard as that is to even consider, is it on the decline? I I probably shouldn't say that because it drives so much to the New South Wales and Queensland economies, and, and also a lot of people in Victoria... South Australia and Western Australia are actually quite big on the sport because it's a, it's annually you play three games. It's just unfortunate that New South Wales didn't put on a good enough showing in game two to make it um, competitive for game three. Yes, New South Wales won game three here in Sydney, but it was a hollow victory because at the end of the game, Daly Cherry Evans, the captain of Queensland, held up the, the trophy for winning the series,
0: yeah, it was pretty much a um, pointless game, really. But you know, that's that's what it is. The economic value and what it brings to the sport and so on and so on is huge. So it, yeah, it the show, is. But, the show must go on.
1: Yeah, but uh, I was talking to people the other day in Sydney, and they said it actually was a real event in previous years. and I think leading up to COVID. Um, The amount of viewers and and attendees and people who would turn it into an event and go out to pubs and watch it was amazing. It was astronomical to the New South Wales and Queensland governments and also to Channel 9 and Fox and the ratings. uh, Sorry, to Channel 9 and its ratings. But it just seems to be that it doesn't have the same impetus that it used to have on the public. That's all I'm saying. Interesting perspective. Interesting.
0: All right. Uh, we'll, we'll keep going. We'll stay in NRL. James Tedesco, Sydney Roosters captain, played in State of Origin, then went on holiday with his wife, and he missed his game for the Roosters as a captain.
1: What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, this was brought up in the News court papers this week, that, and there's a real comparison, mate. So James Tedesco has been the captain of the Blues for the past three games and previous years, and he's been a fantastic captain. But considering the effect that the state of origin has had on his body, he felt the need to get away last weekend, and he and his wife went to Byron Bay. But by comparison, Daily Cherry Evans, who captain captained Queensland, pulled on the boots for Manly on the weekend, and there was no complaints made there. So there was the comparison made that saying, well, James, yes, we understand that you've You know, uh, you're feeling the effects of the state of origin. Your body needs a rest. Your mind needs a rest considering the external and internal pressures. But could you have turned up to the Rooster Storm game at the SCG on the weekends?
0: Maybe you should have.
1: Well, maybe you should have. What do you think? Yeah,
0: yeah, I actually would have, yeah, because um, playing finals, you know, ending the season well, being there for your teammates, is what the regular
1: season is all about. Well, could this so, be a defining moment, Ahmed? And in terms of the Roosters um, maybe penalising James at the end of the season and withdrawing his captaincy or or asking him they, to take it. But, but they clearly gave him the okay, though. Well, what, what if you, one of your best players turns around and says, I'm mentally spent. I need to get out of Sydney because I am just exhausted? Well, why do you play then? Well, because you're playing for your state and it's considered so high.
0: If you're mentally spent, if you, you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. Well, you, the water no,
1: I know. But I think, look, I think clubs love their players to be representative of the state where they're from. But at the same time, if it affects the ability to then get back up and play for your club in order to win the NRL Premiership, I think clubs are starting to take the AFL line, whereas is representative football worthwhile? You reckon? Well, I think that it's in the back of their minds. Well, the AFL no longer plays representative football. I wish they did. Well, maybe a lot of people do, but I think that the clubs went to the AFL and said, you know, we don't want our best players getting injured in the State of Oregon series, which will affect our run at the premiership. I hear you,
0: but it's an awesome concept, though. Um, yeah. well, as long as it's done, done it. properly. Generates a lot of money does that for sure
1: yeah as i said as long as it's done properly
0: yeah absolutely all right let's keep moving australian coverage of sport by these media outlets have they dropped the ball
1: tony are you asking how or have they have they and then how well i think so and i'll give you an example i mean i woke up monday morning after the after Wimbledon. at uh, i was up at around 5am and i was looking to Results for Wimbledon for the men's final. And my go-to is usually the Herald Sun because it, you know, it has provided sports results for the best part of, you know, five, six, seven decades for for many people around the world. And I had to go to its competitor, the age, at 5:38 a.m. I think they had posted the results that Carlos Alcaraz was the winner. I then went to the Daily Mail. They had posted results that Carlos Ocaros was the winner. And then I went to the Daily Telegraph. They posted results, but the Herald Sun waited until 9.40am to post the results of Wimbledon. Now, to me, I just, yes, I've had a great affiliation with News Corp, particularly the Herald Sun, but I just feel that their online component is beginning to lack. That, that where we go for all of our sports results and also news is no longer the premium outlet that you're going to get everything first.
0: But why Why is that happening is is the real question. Why is this occurring?
1: Oh, look, oh, there's many theories. I think one of them being the Daily Mail is actually outstripping them for eyeballs and maybe, look, this is only a conspiracy theory, but is News Corp looking to have the Daily Telegraph as its number one on- online outlet with news.com.au and maybe not injecting as much money and effort into its other other mastheads, be it the Herald Sun, be it the Adelaide Advertiser, be it the Courier Mail in Brisbane or Western Australia. So
0: one thing for sure is the Daily Telegraph has picked up their online game. If you look at what they're doing on TikTok and all these other platforms, they're 100% doing that. Which is great. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. In terms of Fox sports as well, like if you from what i am hearing that a lot of these games, the commentary team is not even on site. There's only like one or two people on site. So um that's it's also changed. COVID, yeah. Yeah. So that's also changed a lot. And they reckon that it worked during COVID and that and they reckon that it's working it worked. So why wouldn't they keep keep doing it? What well,
1: so, then it becomes a cost cutting measure. And if they can do it with one commentator at the ground and one boundary rider, and then two special comments persons in the Melbourne studio, they seem to think it's valid.
0: Exactly. So interesting. Um,
1: well, what, what's your point?
0: Well, me personally, I reckon that my concern is why this cost-cutting is actually occurring. So my, my, my concern is I always look at how do I go to the root, root of the problem? understand what the rule of the problem is and then pretty much go through and solve the problem and the fact that these guys are cutting costs so much really concerns me but then they turn around and they sign these deals with four or five billion dollars over
1: six seven years like i just don't get it it's It's
0: just really really interesting
1: and did you notice or know that the afl went to channel 7 and said you are not doing any external footballing programs, bar the front bar about the AFL, so they've dropped talking footy, they've dropped game day, and one or two others from it. Uh, and talking footy from its lineup, and the AFL is asking, how can the official free-to-air broadcaster of the AFL, which has injected billions of dollars into its rights, not then invest in analytical talk programs?
0: Okay. Um. But why? What's the what's the reasoning here?
1: Well, they're saying they're going to wait until next year until the new broadcast rights deal begins. But to me, it doesn't make sense. Channel 9 doesn't have the rights. And they lead the the talk show programs every week with footy classified times two programs on a Monday and Wednesday, the very popular Sunday footy show, and uh, one other, which escapes me. But, uh, I mean, Channel 9's yeah. investment into the AFL product has been... Supreme, and I'm just worried about Channel 7 in terms of its um, outdated thinking in regards to being football analysts.
0: Wow, really interesting. Really, really
1: interesting. Well, no longer are networks sending entire production teams to Wimbledon or the French Open or to the US Open. They're taking a local feed and having their expert commentators back in the studio in Sydney commentating as the AFL does. I mean, yes, it's going to save an enormous amount of money, but what about the professionalism or is it just the way of the future?
0: From the sounds of things, it is. It really well, is.
1: Well, what about boxing in terms of uh, Fox Sports and main event? Don't we historically send a Ben Damon and a Jeff Fennec internationally to cover the biggest fights that involve us? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, well, there you go. So why is boxing any different to any of the other major sports?
0: It's very different. I can, I can start. At, I can go on a tangent there. It's very different um, in many different ways. But the thing is that the, the structure of boxing is very, very different. It's just like what, what I don't understand is that out of all the cost-cutting measures they can have and do and make, why would they go after the one thing that people love? which is the commentary, that that the live, that live feeling. You 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 can almost tell that it's been commentated from not not from the actual ground. Because at the ground you hear all these noises and backgrounds and screaming and yelling and whatever, whatever. But it's just, it's just a, I'm just seeing that that live experience should be moving forward. And 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 I honestly believe it's gone backwards in terms of that that you know that feeling that we, we, we used to have and feel. So boxing um, is very different. You have four or five events a year. You know, the spend isn't the same. The caliber of the commentators aren't paid the same, so on, so on. Uh, when there's league sports, a lot more volume, a lot more pay, a lot more recognition of hierarchy. So it is more expensive. But I just feel like that if once you start that cost cutting, you sort of start losing that personal touch. Um, there's a lot more other things that they can cut.
1: But yeah, oh, cut I totally agree. It's a very good point. And by extension of that, I think that using channel seven as an example, so they should use its commentary team. If they have to travel for a Friday night, go to Sydney. And if they want to cut costs, have dedicated commentators. In Adelaide, Brisbane, and Perth, so that the other people don't have to travel.
0: Exactly, because there's there's plenty of
1: ex AFL players that could that could fill in in all those states. No, exactly, and and you're right. I think it lessens the product when you have, you know, for example, on Fox Sports when they use often use commentators standing in a studio with an enormous screen behind them, commentating off the screen with one commentator, I think, who is actually at the ground with a boundary rider. Maybe it just, and I know it's 2023, and I know it's a new world of media, but it just lacks that commonality, that touch that we want to have where the people are at the ground.
0: Absolutely, 100%. All right.
1: Well, at
0: the moment, I think things are going to stay the way they are for a while, and uh, it's going to take something uh, extravagant to get to get things changed, in my opinion, because this, these guys are all about cost-cutting. Um, Leo Messi, for some he's the GOAT, arrives in in
1: Miami. Into Miami, pretty before, much. Before you go on, explain to all our viewers, for those, that minute amount of people who don't know who Lionel Messi is, explain who he is. He's the second greatest football player of our time. Well, who's first? Cristiano Ronaldo. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Well, well, that's debatable. I mean, some would reverse that. But Lionel Messi is... is... Some some are going to come after me now. Yeah, correct. The, The
0: Argentinian. The little Argentinian who was given no hope of playing professional football was taken up at 14 years old by Barcelona, or 12 years old. They paid for his... His, his medical treatment, they looked after him, and it's turned out to be one of the greatest players in history. This guy is unbelievable. He's won, he's won everything. What's happened now, he's left Europe and he's gone on to play in into Miami, a club that's owned by David Beckham. So overnight was the official announcement, unveiling of Lionel Messi in Miami. You had a packed-out crowd. You had jerseys outside, outside selling for two hundred bucks a pop, selling Jersey out.
1: Where? Jersey outside where? Outside the stadium. Yeah. So just explain to the yeah. viewers that he was officially unveiled as into Miami's new player at the Miami Stadium.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly what, what I just said. But anyway, I'll I'll say it again. Lionel Messi was introduced to the people of Miami at the Inter-Miami FC Stadium, which is owned by David Beckham, last night in front of a packed-out stadium, and the noise was unbelievable.
1: Well, give us an estimate on how many people you think were there in the crowd. There was about 40,000 people there last Just night. Just to announce legal Messi yes. putting yeah, on a new a, jersey for
0: Inter-Miami. Yes, it was, it was a sellout. There was 40,000 people there. They were selling jerseys outside the stadium for two hundred bucks a jersey, and they sold out. Three point five billion views globally. That is incredible. Three point five billion, right? This is going to be an absolute bonanza.
1: Well, you sorry. Tomah, you're a football analyst, and we know that Cristiano Ronaldo recently signed with a Saudi Arabian team. Al at- Nassr so so by comparison what was the bigger announcement so
0: cristiano from memory
1: reached over 4 billion globally wow these numbers are astronomical
0: yeah and in every single game that cristiano plays now he has 40 media outlets from around the world covering those games 40, yeah. right? So that just explains the calibre of these two countries. I call them countries because they are. They, they, these guys are continents on the, on their own. Oh. The amount of dis- distribution these guys have is ridiculous. They could change right?
1: the GDP of each country. Exactly.
0: So anyway, I'll go a bit more into the details. So this two-and-a-half-year contract, Lionel Messi will earn $150 million. He will get, it'll be paid by the club. It'll be paid by the league and he'll be paid by the broadcasters. he will also be paid by Adidas as as their main sponsor from jersey sales and so on. The other thing that will be given to him as well is he'll be offered stake equity in either Inter Miami or the opportunity to open up an expansion club in the MLS, which is the league that, that he's playing into. Which right now, exp- a club, an expansion club in the MLS is valued at $500 million. Wow.
1: $500 million.
0: Yeah. Three months ago, an Egyptian billionaire introdu- introduced a team in San Diego. He paid $500 million for that team.
1: So why, why these uh, oil barons? and these very, very wealthy businessmen, why are they injecting so much money into America's football, soccer business?
0: Because the American landscape as a market, it's the center of the world. Everybody wants to be in that market, right? So, there's a multitude of things. When people buy teams, they look at the, the growth of the team, they look at the market size, they look at the value of the assets of the team and because it's america and because these are key cities the value of the assets of the team are huge the other thing is the potential market size and upside is huge the the other thing is there's no relegation in the in the in the mls so you, you you can't go down right so the value of the teams every year goes up because there's scarcity yep right and in today's world, sporting teams are the most valued alternative assets. Everybody's trying to buy a sports team, right? In today's world, which is it's looked at as a diversification of their of the investment. It's a safe investment, yeah. Right? Because it's continuously going up. So, hence why there's so much buzz, there's so much excitement around Messi, around the opportunity at hand, but. You look at the numbers, they're astronomical. He turned down $400 million a year from Saudi Arabia.
1: Oh, Messi? Yep. Yep, Maybe it was a um, standard of living.
0: Well, he said that he's missed out a lot on his kids' schooling. Yep. Miami's close to South America. His family can come in and out easily. Yep. And and he can live a – like, for example, early in the week he, he was shopping at a at a supermarket called Publix in Miami, and he wasn't getting bombarded by people. He was taking photos, but he's, left, he's living a semi-normal life. Yeah. Right? Because it's a big country. So, um, so yeah, that's pretty much the overall um, summary of Messi and his introduction to right. the local Miami
1: crowd. Yeah, so tell everybody when his first game is, Armin. July 21st. And what do, you numbers, what do you expect the numbers to be? So what's happened is, all the
0: games that he's playing in have gone up a thousand percent. Ticket prices, ticket sales, ticket sales, yep, ticket sales—they've gone up a thousand percent. And even what's happened is, this guy is that it's that attractive to the, to, the, to the local market. The away teams are reaping the benefits as well. Yep, because. Their ticket prices as well have gone up eight times, ten times, right? So everybody's winning here. That's why everybody was so eager for him to come, because this money, that the revenue that he's bringing, is not only for into Miami. He's bringing for the whole league, because now everywhere he goes to play, people are finding over tickets. Doesn't matter whether they go for that team or not.
1: Yep, that's why i watching. It's huge, and we can't wait. So it's July 21, his first game. Correct. And so, where can people watch it? Do you know? Yes, Apple TV
0: exclusively. Oh, fantastic. Apple TV did a $2.5 billion deal with the MLS last year. Yep. $250 million a year, and I think it's going to pay off in the, in the next couple of years. because Love it. Because they signed Leo Messi. So anyway, so... Unbelievable announcement. Unbelievable deal. All the best, to him. Let's keep going. Um, New South Wales Boxing Commission denies Fidel Tarek of being ringside for a boxer that he manages, Paulo Awokuso. I hope I said that right because that was really difficult to Or Kuso. Or Kuso. Um, so... Pretty much, the New South Wales Combat Sports Authority has banned F- Fidel because of his previous links to the Camisero bikey Gang. As everyone knows, and anybody who turns on a TV or jumps on TikTok or any social media platform, the the, the current um, organized crime rings in New South Wales at the moment causing governments, police, whatever, a lot of headaches. So oh, they,
1: it's they, the worst. They, yep,
0: yeah, they're in the spotlight. They're going after him full force. Raids every day, arrests every day, and they're cutting him out of every single level of society that they can cut 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 them out from. So he's a victim of that. I don't know if he's a victim, but he's part of the the collateral damage of that. Whether he is or isn't a bikie, still that's that's his business. But he's been banned. They don't want him anywhere near inside. Um, his corner, he can be in the crowd, but credit. To the box so he's stuck by him he said no i still want him to to be my advisor my manager he, he was loyal to me
1: i'm loyal to him what are your thoughts buddy oh uh, it's a really interesting one and i was actually one prior to our live broadcast this morning to actually bring this up and i think it is look i don't know but boxing is littered with people from the underworld and and average people and sorry, I shouldn't average people, but it is littered with people who have a checkered past. So why is Fidel any different to anybody else in terms of what is stopping Fidel from being inside for his client's fight? I mean, I'm not sure he can do much for... I, I can tell you happens. why. I can tell you why. Well, well, tell us. So in the past,
0: the Combat Authority and New South Wales Police have banned certain figures from att- attending certain fight nights in certain places. Yep. And why? Because they've heard that certain things were going to go down in those in those places. In terms of what? In terms of wars? Yeah, violence and shootings and so on. Um, whether he's in there or in the corner makes no difference, in my opinion. Well, he could because he might end up on TV. But. It could be less disruptive if, he, if he's in the crowd or in the venue. But a lot of the times, they keep certain people out because they've heard something. Something's coming to that person. Um, and there could be a threat or something here that they're trying to protect him from or they're trying to protect the event from. So he starts in the corner, then yeah. they eventually say the whole venue, Right. Yep. So that's, that's where it starts. As it gets closer to the night, they'll say, no, 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 you, you, you're you too much of a risk, you can't attend. So that's usually what they do, and I've seen it
1: happen multiple times. So you're saying that there is a potential danger to the public with Fidel being ringside? I'm saying there could be as to why they're taking that's this right. stance. Yeah. I, I, look, yeah. Uh, I don't know his current situation in terms of his affiliation. I just Me too. If he's a law-abiding citizen, I'm not sure why he shouldn't be allowed to be ringside for his client's fight. Uh, Makes two of us.
0: But I'm saying this potentially, potential reason why he is being asked to—he's been banned from being ringside. I think it will end up eventuating into the into a situation where he's banned from from
1: the whole event. If I'm going to be
0: honest with you, they just haven't announced
1: it yet. You don't think the Combat Sports Commission will then turn around and um, feel like they need to be doing something in case something bad happens and said, well, we did actually warn um, the public and or the police that this could happen? Or, I mean, are they only doing their job or is it something more sinister?
0: I think they're only doing their job because I think they, they're taking precautionary measures. I don't think it's anything personal because he's been involved in many fights before, like he's promoted fights. Yeah, uh, are you familiar, familiar with? Are you familiar with him? Not personally, but I've seen him around. Like I've seen, I've I've heard of him. If you follow boxing in Australia, you know who, who who Fidel is, right? So that's 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 what it comes down to. It comes down to like if you if you've if you've let somebody in the park. He was part of Wild Will's corner for many many years. Wild Will who? Wild Will Will Tom Will Tomlinson. Gotcha. Right? He was part of that corner for many, many years. Why let him be there for, for, for so long, and all of a sudden just pull him out, right? So anyway, I think they're just trying to take precautionary measures because at the moment New South Wales is very hot, um, and I think it will eventuate to a point where they'll say to him, "Ah, you're too much of a risk. You can't attend. You can't attend the event."
1: You know what? That's, that, that, that's a yeah. really good um, suggestion by you. I, I didn't think. Lateral enough, but maybe you've come up with a theory that may just have some legs in terms of if he's affiliated with certain people and he surrounds himself with certain people, and considering how hot the Sydney landscape is, maybe you're right. I'm not now we're not deducing anything or suggesting anything, but it, it's a theory that could have some legs. Well, this happened in the past, so we're
0: just bringing back history. That's all we're saying. Well, we're referencing history, yeah, no more, course.
1: no less. Yes, exactly. No, it's a good theory. I like it. And uh, let's move on.
0: All right. So um, that's pretty much it for today. I know you had a couple of things that you wanted to quickly squeeze by.
1: Oh, just one thing I wanted to say is um, AFL legend Wayne Carey, he is entering hospital in Melbourne this afternoon for a long-awaited shoulder replacement. So we wish him well with that. He will be operated on tomorrow morning by the great Greg Hoy. And uh, we wish him a speedy recovery.
0: Absolutely, the the, the duck. We wish you the speediest of recoveries for everybody else. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you, Tony. As always, every week, mate, you're an absolute legend. Um, and for everyone out there, take care, everyone. We'll catch you all next week.
1: Thanks. So Look forward to another episode of Raw Sports in a week's time.